Well, good morning, church. How are we feeling today? <laughs> One guy clapping. Thank you for the applause. I'm glad that you're excited to be here. Everybody else is like, nah, you, sir, should, should be on stage leading everybody as a cheerleader. Good to have you here. My name is Matt Mizell. I'm the lead pastor here at Pinion Hills Community Church. Quick informal poll. I'm just curious. By raise of hands, who here did something, anything at all, for Valentine's Day? Anybody do anything? You send a card, you send out pictures, or, or, or send uh, flowers or something like that? Okay, quite a few of you. Um, on the other side of things, who here by raise of hands did absolutely nothing for Valentine's Day? No cards, no flowers, no chocolates. Okay, so, so for, for you haters, um, <laughs> I would strangle Cupid if I could find him. Uh, so this is like my preaching iPad, right? And so I, I put all my notes and scriptures and stuff on here. Well, my daughter, my five-year-old daughter, got a hold of it this last week on Valentine's Day, and she colored all over my, my sermon notes, hearts. So for those of you who are haters, here's some love from my five-year-old daughter to you. Here's happy Valentine's for you. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people that do participate in, in, uh, in Valentine's Day. In fact, 62% of all people in America, are, they, they say that they do something for Valentine's Day. And when I say something, that means that the average person spends over $130 on Valentine's-related stuff. That's a lot of money that the average person is spending. There's more and less, of course, than the people that are spending, but that's a lot of stuff. But if you're curious as far as what are people buying, what are people spending their money on for Valentine's Day, here are some, st some st statistics for it. Um, last week, there was over 180 million Valentine's Day cards that were sent out or received or distributed. 180 million, that is a lot of cards. Uh, 224 million roses were given out to other people. 36 million heart-shaped boxes of candy were given to others, and 58 million pounds of chocolate was given out, which is a lot of candy. And I'm convinced that half of that candy is still going to be in people's pantries next Valentine's that they haven't eaten. At least that's how it is in our house. We have like 15-year-old Valentine's Day conversation hearts. He bite into it, and I broke a tooth. Ah! Anyway, so uh, those are interesting statistics for me, but there's a couple of other statistics that are even more interesting. Did you know this, for example, that 14% of all women have admitted to sending themselves flowers on Valentine's Day? Isn't that crazy? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands of like who's part of the 14% because I don't want to put you in that category. I just I had no idea there was any percentage of people that send them, themselves flowers. What about this? Did you know that, that on or around November 14th, around 11,000 children will be born? And you might be thinking, what's that got to do with Valentine's Day? And later on, driving home, you're going to be like, oh, I get it. Now I, I was a little slow, but now I understand. Nine months later, yeah, I get it. Did you know that 53% of women surveyed said that if their significant other did nothing for them on Valentine's, that they would call off the relationship? Isn't that crazy? Half of all women out there would be like, I would break up with you if you don't give me something for Valentine's Day. So I don't know if you participated. I don't know if you were engaged in Valentine's Day or not, but there's obviously love in the air around this particular holiday. Uh, I like my buddy Tom's policy regarding Valentine's Day. Here's what he does. He takes his wife. He's been married for 20-something years. He takes his wife to Walmart or Target or Hallmark or whatever, and they go to the card section, and he, he reads through some cards, and he finds a card that he thinks his wife might like, and he takes that card and, and gives it to his wife. He says, here's your Valentine's Day card, sweetie, and she reads it, and she laughs, and then he takes it back out of her hands and puts it back in the rack. He never buys it, never signs it. 
that was her card, but it's going to stay in the store, so he doesn't have to pay like $20 for a card. And then he does this for every anniversary, and he does it for every birthday as well. And I'm like, I don't know how you're still married, but homeboy is still married. 20-something years, he's still married. So Tom, uh, teach me your ways, oh sensei. I don't know how, I don't know how to, to continue on in a relationship. Speaking of birthdays, uh, my buddy Keith Corley, it's his birthday today. He's one of our pastors on staff, so happy birthday to Keith, wherever you are. Yay. It's also my understanding... Uh, Jennifer Wood is, is, it's her birthday as well. Is Jennifer in here? Is she? She's right there in the center, front and center. She, it's her birthday today, but she was like, all I want for my, for my birthday is for my whole family to come with me. And, and you brought your whole family, like 20 people. Like you have 14 rows of just people that are part of your family. So happy birthday to you, Jennifer. And thank you for all of you who are joining. Yay. Last week, we started a brand new series called Love and War, and it's all about how do we fight for the types of relationships that are worth fighting for? How do we fight for the type of love that we should have that God wants us to experience in the context of relationships? Now, uh, I'm just curious. Like today, we're talking, uh, last week, we talked about marriages. Uh, perhaps there's a lot of people who are married here. If you missed that message, go back and watch it, and if you don't, you're probably going to get divorced. Just kidding. Um, Go back and watch it, phcc.church. It's all about uh, having a, a, a real marriage. Here's what a real marriage looks like. It consists of respecting each other, eliminating absolutes, accepting each other's differences, and loving no matter what. That's what makes up a real marriage. But that's what we talked about last week was, was marriage. Today, I'm speaking to the other half of the, the audience. I'm speaking to the people who are, are single, people who are interested in dating, people who are perhaps divorced. If you don't yet have a wedding ring on your, your wedding hand or your, your left hand, you're the person I'm speaking to today. Perhaps someday, maybe just maybe, maybe you might find yourself in a relationship. Maybe you're interested in marriage down the road. In fact, uh, another quick informal poll. If that's you, if you're in that category, you're, you're, if you're not married, if you don't have a wedding ring on your wedding finger, raise your hand for me so I can see who I'm talking to. Okay, if you could all come to the front and center so you can meet each other, that would be helpful. <laughs> Pinion Hill speed dating. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. However, there are some websites that perhaps might be helpful to you as you explore the possibility for love. One of the, the most impactful, most meaningful websites that might be able to help you. Uh, I have a video to showcase what they do. Check out this video. My name is Rebecca Esther Sarah Bathsheba. And I'm John. And I found God's match for me on ChristianTingle.com. I joined Christian Tingle after going on over 50 dates on other online dating sites. I forgive you. Thanks. I never went on a second date um, after I mentioned that I was saving hand-holding for marriage. So I joined the website and as soon as I saw your picture, I thought, man, she is hot. What? You are. When I saw her Facebook profile picture, I was like, I've always wanted a woman that's had the most devoted devotional ever devoted. Honestly, I wasn't very attracted to him at first. I mean, I thought he was hot, but I was afraid that he was going to be too into himself. When I saw his profile picture, everything changed. I was like, praise you, Daddy, for showing me this man who is willing to be seen holding a third world orphan. I was in Africa on a mission trip. Why else would you go to Africa? There was this one little kid. He was actually the son of a guy that went with us here in Atlanta. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. That was Jason. Favorite pastor on third. One, two, three. David, David Platt. Platt. That was too easy. That was really um, easy. Okay. Favorite Sonic Flood song. 
one, two. Well, everyone only knows one Sonic Flood song. Right, right. Favorite secular band? Switchfoot. <laughs> this is real love. Tell them about the ceremony. I think what we really wanted was a worship service. We made sure that we had communion on the way in. We had communion on the way out. Yeah. We had communion during our vows. Obviously, we didn't have a bar at the reception, so we had more communion. One thing most people don't know about with Christian Tingle is there's an app that you can get for your smartphone. When we were dating, mm -hmm. I feel like the app was just, it was a godsend. When you keep it in your pocket and you're on a date, it'll send an alert every time that your phone goes from portrait to landscape. If it wasn't for the Father, the Son, and the Christian Tingle, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. If you're looking for someone to date other than Jesus, look no further than ChristianTingle.com. <laughs> I know some of you are probably pulling your phones out right now. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to Christian Tingle right now and create a profile. Bad news, it, it's a fake website. It doesn't actually exist. It's not a real website. But the good news is that there are websites out there that perhaps you can find love on. There's not a ChristianTingle.com, but did you know that there's a ChristianMingle.com? <laughs> Here's, here's some of the top 10 or the top 10 uh, dating websites that exist today that are for real. ChristianMingle.com, PlentyOfFish.com, eHarmony, Match, Tinder, OkCupid, okay, Elite Singles, Silver Singles. I like that one. You, you, you Silver Fox, you Silver, <laughs> silver Singles. Chemistry.com and SpeedDate.com. These are just the top 10 dating websites out there. But that, did you know that in the United States there's over 2,500 dating websites? 2,500, and that's just in the U.S. If you include the rest of the world, there's 5,000 other websites around the rest of the world. So in, across the world, 7,500 dating websites where people can perhaps find love. Bottom line is there's a lot of people looking for love. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of people who are single, who aren't married, that are not looking for love for whatever reason. Perhaps you were in a bad relationship. Maybe you've got baggage from the previous relationship. You're like, I, just, I don't want anything to do with anybody in a relationship because I had a bad experience. Which is why I think last week when I logged onto my Spotify account, my music playlist, there was a lot of like love songs and Valentine's Day playlists. You know, like, I love you, I can love you like that. I can make you my world. Songs like that. But then there's other playlists right next to the Valentine's playlist that are the anti-Valentine's Day playlist, which is pretty much just a bunch of songs from Alanis Morissette, like I hate men and I hate people and, and I'll dug my key into the side of your pretty little souped up four-wheel drive, like angry songs. I know you're thinking I missed my career calling, but... <laughs> There's all sorts of anti-love songs that are on, on Spotify. Not only that, but my wife told me about a, about a zoo, the El Paso Zoo. I don't know if you heard about this. It's been all over the news. But the El Paso Zoo on Valentine's Day, what they decided to do is a campaign called Quit Bugging Me. And here's what they did. They encouraged people on Facebook to submit the names of their ex. Send us your ex-girlfriend's name or, or your ex-boyfriend, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, whatever. And they will name a cockroach after your ex. And then on Valentine's Day, they fed the cockroach to the meerkats in a live stream video on their Facebook page so people could watch their ex being eaten by an animal. <laughs> Which, I know some of you are like, why would you even mention that? That's horrific. Yet, it went viral. Hundreds of thousands of people are like, yes, yeah, sign me up for the cockroach feeding. I'm going to name 10 of them. I'm gonna, I got this guy and this one, and I'm going to name all of my exes and feed them all to the meerkats. In fact, this is a true story. Just about a week ago, before Valentine's Day, they had to shut the campaign down before it went live because there were so many hundreds of thousands of people. They're like, we don't have enough cockroaches to feed to our animals. And by the way, not just any cockroach they didn't feed. 
I don't know if you know this, but there's over 3,000 variations and species of cockroaches. Who knew 3,000 types of cockroaches? But they didn't just pick any cockroach. No, no, no. They picked the Madagascar hissing cockroach as the one they were going to feed to the meerkats. Apparently, they fed a lot of cockroaches on Valentine's Day. You can go and watch the live stream replay on their website if you want to. It was such a big campaign that they're going to do it over and over and over, and they're going to try to figure out what other animals can we feed cockroaches to, because a lot of people want to name cockroaches after their exes and have live animals eat them. All that being said, I understand some of you are the cockroach people. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't want a relationship. I'm not looking for love. That's not me. I, I would rather name cockroaches by my ex, and that's where you are right now. However, that being said, what we're going to be talking about today might be applicable at some point in your life, even if not today. Maybe today you're like, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm jaded, I'm resentful, I, I, don't want, I don't want anything to do with love. But maybe, if you're not already married, maybe, just maybe, someday there will be Mr. Right, Miss Right that walks into your life, your heart starts pitter-pattering, and you're like, okay, I'll give it a shot again. All that being said, if you happen to be single and you're anti-love, anti-relationships right now, here's my two cents. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I'd pull out a program, pull out your phone, and I would take notes today because some of the things that we talk about today may not be applicable today, but they might be tomorrow for you. Maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year, maybe for some of you next decade. But at some point, I believe it, it will likely be relevant. And if you are married, I don't want you to check out and be like, well, we talked about marriage last week. We're talking to all the single folk today, so I'm going to check out. I'm just going to go watch the next episode of Tidying Up with Marie Kondo and figure out how to tidy up my whole house. Don't don't disconnect because some of the things we talk about are still applicable in your marriage. And you can also be an advisor. You can give other people who are in relationships who aren't yet married biblical, godly advice from what we talk about today. So regardless of wherever you're at, today's message is relevant and applicable. And here's what I want to start off with. Here's the question that I want to ask you. The question I want you to ask, and I'm not looking for a raise of hands. I'm not looking for an audible response, but I do want you to answer in your mind. Do you want God's best for your relationships? Do you want, not the person next to you, not what you think is the right answer, do you want what God's best is for your relationships? And this is a black or white answer, yes or no. And if you're no, if you're like, no, I don't care about God's best for my relationships, then, then you can go and like watch the next episode of Tidying Up on your phone during our time together, or maybe Google you know, the El Paso Zoo and look at the cockroaches being fed, because really nothing we're going to talk about is applicable if you don't want God's best. However, if you do, if you want God's best for your relationships, then everything we're going to talk about is applicable to your life or to people that you know. So if you want God's best, here's, here's something you can write down in your program. If you want God's best, here's my challenge for you. Choose God's plan. If you yourself want God's best for you, for relationships, then choose God's plan for you. Now, sometimes that's easier said than done. We say, oh, yeah, I want the best of the best of the best. I want God's best for my relationships. And okay, I'll choose God's plan. But let me forewarn you, the things we're going to talk about today are difficult. God's best is oftentimes a difficult thing. It's, it's hard work to, to pursue God's best. I was at a wedding. My wife and I went to a wedding several years ago. It was a, kind of a, a posh wedding. It was a pretty expensive wedding. I would say they spent maybe $100,000, $150,000 or so on, on the ceremony. It was, it was out, so outside on a golf course. And then we moved inside for the reception. And at one point, the bride stands up and she's got a glass and ding, 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 
gathers the attention. She grabs the mic, and, and there's, I don't know, 200 people or so there. And she's like, hi, everybody. I just wanted to give a little speech at my wedding. And she, she looks at her husband, who's sitting right next to her. She's like, oh, look at, look at my husband. He's so cute. Not too bad for my first husband. And we were like, what? Like, did she for real just say that out loud? Like, not too bad for my first husband? It was like that awkward laugh. We were like, huh? 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 She, was she for real? And sure enough, like, she thought it was funny. She kept including that in her speech. Oh, my first husband, my first husband. A couple years later, she got divorced. I think she's been remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced. She's probably giving a speech right now. Not too bad for my 15th husband. <laughs> Here's the reality is that when you get married, divorce can't be an option. Divorce should not be a word that's even in your vocabulary because if you make divorce an option, at some point you're going to take the option. You can't you can't make divorce an option. You can't make it a possibility. You can't even utter the word. You can't throw that around. You can't threaten divorce. Because if you threaten it, eventually you'll probably take it. Bottom line is this. Marriage is, marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. It can be difficult, but the, here's the truth at the same time. Since when is something that's difficult and worthwhile easy? Since when is something that is worth pursuing just a, a cakewalk. In my experience, most of the things that are worth pursuing, most of the things that bring the most contentment and joy in life require hard work to get there. Colin Powell said it this way. He said, a dream doesn't become a reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Relationships take sweat, determination, and hard work. Relationships are difficult. There's a, a chapter called the love chapter in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 13. Perhaps you've heard it at weddings before. It kind of describes the attributes and the characteristics of love. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, this is a beautiful passage, and I agree with everything that I just read. I agree with 1 Corinthians 13 in the description. In fact, there's probably going to be another day that I really dive in and we dissect and pick apart this whole section of Scripture. But notice nothing I said. Nowhere did I say, love is easy. L love is just simple. Every attribute that I just read requires intentionality. Every attribute I just read requires hard work. Relationships require hard work, but Jesus never said following after him was going to be easy. He never said being a disciple of his and, and honoring God's word was going to be simple. In fact, last week or a couple weeks ago, we read this, uh, Jesus' words in Luke 9. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You want to follow Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. But it is worth it. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. And you don't have to take my word for it. Perhaps you know somebody who's been married for a long time, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And if you know somebody who's been married for a long time and they look giddy, they look excited, they look like they're infatuated, they, they still hold hands, they still love each other, they still kiss each other on the cheek. If you know somebody that has been married for a, a long period of time, and they seem like they are happy in their marriage. Here's my homework assignment for you. Go up to that couple. 
and ask them two questions. Question number one, is marriage difficult? Ask them, is, is marriage difficult? And listen to the response. And then ask them the follow-up question. Question number two, is it worth it? And I'm guessing you're going to get the same response for both questions. Yeah, it's difficult. Definitely, it's difficult. We, we've gone through hard times. It's, 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 it requires hard work. But yes, it's worth it. And if you're sitting here today and, and you're not yet married, but perhaps someday you could be married. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you've been in a relationship before. Maybe you're not right now. Maybe, for whatever reason, you don't have a wedding ring on your wedding finger. But if you think there's maybe, just maybe, the possibility you can get married someday, my challenge for you is to choose to do things God's way. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. And if marriage, if ultimately relationships lead to marriage, and, and marriage is difficult, yet it's worth it, a God-honoring real marriage is worth it, my challenge to you this morning is, is start doing some of the hard work now that leads to a fulfilling relationship later. Even if you're not in the relationship right now, perhaps you're engaged, perhaps you're dating, perhaps you don't know anybody that you're going to date, but you can start, whether you're, you're, you're engaged or dating or, or, or single right now, any of those scenarios, if you're not yet married, there's some things that you can do today that will help establish a foundation of becoming the right person for the person that you want to marry. There, there's hard work that you can start working on now that will lead you to a more fulfilling relationship down the road. I love the way Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley says this. He wrote a, wrote a book called the New, the New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. And here's what he said in his book. He said, be the person the person you're looking for is looking for. Now, I know that's kind of a mouthful and it kind of is, is, is a little confusing. But let's break it down a, a second. Be the person the person you're looking for is looking for. If you're looking for somebody who is compassionate, you're looking for somebody who is love loving, you're looking for somebody who is kind, you're looking for somebody who has character and integrity. If that's the person you're looking for, then they're looking for a person that has those same attributes. So, so be the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And until that day comes, until God brings you that right person at the right time, work on becoming the person that God wants you to be for whoever your future spouse might be. So here, here's my encouragement for you. There are seven habits that you can start working on now. Seven things you can start building and laying a foundation to become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. Habit number one is this. You can write these down in your, your notes if you're taking them. Habit number one, focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. Now, that might sound selfish. Like, well, I don't want to self -fo focus on myself. I want to focus on other people. But a lot of people, when they're single, when they're not yet married, they're, they're, they're on the prowl. They're looking around. Who can I marry? Who is potential, uh, my potential spouse? Who can I potentially date? But rather than be focusing on other people, my encouragement for you, focus on yourself. And here's what I mean by that. There's things that you can be tweaking and changing on your own to become the right person for, the next, for, for that person you want to date or perhaps you want to marry. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Allow God to transform your mind. Allow God to transform your heart. Focus on yourself and allowing God to make you the person that you should be for the person that you want to date or be with someday. Which leads to habit number two. Habit number two is this. Pursue God. 
Pursue God. When you're, when you're focusing on yourself, you're pursuing God. If you want to be transformed by God, if you want your heart and your mind to be transformed by God, allow him to be a priority. Pursue that relationship with God. Rather than pursuing all these 7,500 other websites that you could be pursuing, focus first and foremost on your pursuit and your love of God. Psalm 37.4 says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice, first, it's delighting in God. Delight yourself in the Lord. So many people are like, God, give me the desires of my heart, and, and then I'll follow you. People bargain with God all the time. If, if you do this for me, God, then I'll do that for you, God. If you do this, you provide this, then I'll go to church every weekend. If you do this, I'll pray more. This says, delight yourself in God first, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Perhaps because when you're delighting in God, he's changing your heart. He's changing your mind. So when he does give you the desires of your heart, it's more in alignment what is for what he would have you desire in the first place. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Habit number two is pursue God. Leads to habit number three. Choose contentment. Choose contentment right where you're at today. I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken to and quite frankly how many times that I've even said out loud myself, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get that job. I'll be happy when I get that car. I'll be happy when I get that house. But then you get the, the job and the car and the house. It, I'll be happy when, and related to relationships, I'll be happy when I get a boyfriend. I'll be happy when I get a girlfriend. I'll be happy when I have somebody to be able to hug and snuggle and call my own. And then you get somebody to date. Well, well now I'll, I'll be happy when we're engaged. And then you get engaged. Well, I'll be happy when we're married. And then you get married. Well, I'll be happy when we go on a honeymoon. And then you go on a honeymoon. I'll be happy when we, we find out we're, we're pregnant with our first child. And then you're pregnant with your first child. I'll be happy when we have multiple children. And then you have multiple children. And then you're like, I'll be happy when they all move out. <laughs> I'll be happy when we pay off the house. I'll be happy when we get to tour the world on vacations. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. Are, are you ever happy? Is there any contentment? Is there any joy in the journey? Or is it always, I'll be happy when? My encouragement to you, to you is to choose contentment right where you're at. Even if today where you sit isn't ideal, perhaps you've been waiting for a relationship for a long time, and you're getting fed up, you're starting to lose hope. You can still choose contentment even in the midst of what you perceive to be a storm, a difficult trial. James chapter 1 says this, consider it pure joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your, of your faith produces perseverance, even if today you're sitting where you don't want to sit, even if your situation isn't how you thought it would be or intended, you can still choose joy. You can choose contentment. I love the way that 1 Corinthians 7.17 describes it in the message translation says, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. And then look at this last phrase. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Somebody needs to hear that. God, not your marital status, defines your life. It says where you are, be planted, be content, be filled with joy. Now, now let me give an asterisk to this because what this is not saying, if you're, if you're in a toxic relationship, if you're in an abusive relationship and you know that you are not safe in that relationship, get out. Because this isn't encouraging you to stay in an unhealthy relationship. But, but this is applicable to the people 
who are oftentimes saying, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I, I wish I had this, I wish I had this, I wish I had this, and there's no contentment, there's no joy. We can choose contentment right where God has us. Even if you're not in the place in life where you wish you would eventually be, right where you're at right now, choose joy, choose happiness, choose contentment, because the truth is uh, you're still blessed. You still have a lot to be thankful for. Even if you're not exactly where you want to be in life, you can still be thankful right where you're at right now. Habit number four is this. Create boundaries. Oftentimes people aren't content. They haven't implemented habit number three. They're not choosing contentment in the context of a dating relationship or an engaged relationship. And then they're desirous. They want the, the fruits of marriage even though they're not yet married. You've got to create boundaries. Genesis 2.24 says this. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother to be joined together and united with his wife and they will become one flesh. It says joined together with his wife. The reason somebody leaves home, leaves father and mother, the reason why somebody moves out and moves in with somebody else is in the context of marriage, wife. It's not if you want to just get to know the other person that you're dating or even if you're engaged to that person. So many people are like, I'm going to move in together and we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure out if we're compatible before we're married. That's contradictory to God's word. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. And look at the other part of this. In the context of marriage, they will become one flesh. This is referring to intimacy, to a sexual relationship. And so many people are like, no, 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 I, I got to make sure that we're compatible in the bedroom before we get married. You'll, you'll hear things like, well, I got to, well, why, why buy the cow when I can milk or get the milk for free? <laughs> Which I think is a horrible analogy, by the way. <laughs> why would you compare your potential future spouse to a cow? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? I got a cow right now. <laughs> I'm convinced that whoever made up that phrase is single, because I don't know <laughs> who would be with the, that person. Perhaps you've heard the phrase of, well, don't you want to test drive the car before you buy it? These aren't great analogies. And they also contradict God's word. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. God's plan is when you move in together, when you have that type of intimacy together that it's in the context of marriage. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. Song of Solomon 2.7 says this. It says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Don't arouse or awaken love until the time is right. And you might read that verse and be like, well, what if I desire it? What if in the heat of the moment, like, I desire that type of intimacy with the other person? Yet at the same time, you've got to remember what you already said. The very first question I asked you today, this morning, I said, do you want God's best for your relationship? And, and if not, you've already tuned me out. But if so, if you want God's best for your relationship, then implement God's plan. Don't arouse or awaken love until it's the right time for the things that are supposed to be reserved for marriage. Keep those things for marriage. Keep them in the context of marriage. And a lot of times people have a difficult time with this because they're already living together. And you hear these words and you hear what I'm saying as judgment. Please don't hear what I'm saying as judgment. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not called to judge you. I'm just called to present God's word. And if you're already living with each other and you're not yet married, you're dating, you're cohabitating, you're perhaps even engaged, you might have to do something that's difficult. Sometimes following Jesus isn't, isn't easy. You might have to move into separate bedrooms until you get married. You might have to get different apartments and different places to stay. You want God's best for your relationship, choose God's plan. You might have to stop the intimacy that you've been having 
Because you know, you know deep down that's not, it's not honoring to God. If you want God's best for you, choose God's plan. That leads into habit number five. Don't trade the truth for a lie. Even right now, some of you, some of you have been engaged in some of the things that I've been talking about. You're living together, you're sleeping together. Even right now as I'm saying this, there's justifications popping off in your mind. Well, the reason we do it is because of this. The reason we have this living arrangement is because we can't afford to have two different places. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. Oftentimes people trade the truth for a lie and, and the enemy wants to whisper little lies into your, into your mind and say, it's okay. You're justified. You have excuses. You have your reasons. Don't listen to Matt. Don't listen to God's word. You're good. Don't trade the truth for a lie. Paul says this to the, to the, the Romans in Romans chapter 1. He says, God gave them over. People that are trading the truth in for a lie. God gave them over in their desires of their hearts to impurity for the dishonoring of their bodies with one another. And it says they exchange, verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. If you keep saying, I'm going to dismiss God's word, I'm going to ignore God's word, I'm not going to do it. God's going to say, okay, have it your way. Do what you want to do. I'm going to give you over to your sinful nature. I'm going to give you over to your sinful desires. And I understand because oftentimes the reason people do this is they see so many other couples. Well, they're living together. They're sleeping together. They're doing it. Why can't I? My encouragement for you comes from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 23 says, do not let your heart envy sinners. Don't let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous. Be eager for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. You might have these desires. You might have these inclinations, but you've got hope. But don't envy sinners. Don't envy the lifestyle of other people that you know are not honoring God's word. Go to God's word for the truth. Don't trade the truth for a lie. Habit number six is this. Get godly advice. Get godly advice. Don't just get advice from anywhere. Don't just get advice from anyone. There's a show on ABC every Monday night called The Bachelor. It's been on for, I don't know, 15 years. And, and, and all these candidates have come on as The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And ABC spends millions of dollars every season to send The Bachelor and all the candidates that are trying to fight for his love to exotic places all over, to Singapore, to Germany, to the Cayman Islands. They're going all over the place and they're spending millions of dollars in these exotic dates that people would never normally go on on their own. And, and, and they're hoping that they can find love in millions of people Tune in every single Monday. Is the bachelor going to find love? Is he going to find his soulmate? And oftentimes at the end of the show, the bachelor will get down on one knee and propose and say, I'm going to marry you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And here's the, the ugly side of the bachelor. 78% of the people that get down on one knee and propose break things off. <laughs> 78%. If you get married for the first time, the failure rate, the divorce rate is 41%, which means the 78% failure rate for The Bachelor, you are twice as likely to get divorced if you go find love on The Bachelor. <laughs> Maybe that answers your question. Should I go on The Bachelor? <laughs> Why would you get dating advice from a show that is twice as likely to end in divorce compared to if you were just to find love through traditional, normal ways? Why, why would you watch? Yet millions of people, every Monday, oh, I want to implement what he did. I want, to, I want to implement the type of love that they have in their relationship. Oh, I want to have a fantasy suite too in my life. They, they take all these different pieces of advice from The Bachelor and try to implement it. That, that is a poor source for, 
for where you should get wisdom and how you should live in a relationship. Get godly advice. If you're getting advice for your relationship, make sure the people that are giving you advice are people that are godly people. Make sure that they can back up what they're saying based on God's word. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Now, now here's the interesting thing about this verse. It says the wicked lead them astray. I don't think the wicked are always intending to lead you astray. But if somebody's not honoring God's word, if they're not living by God's plan, why would they give you advice for what they're already not doing? So they're going to give you poor advice from their opinion, what they think, what, they, what they've implemented in their life. But more than likely, they're not going to give you godly biblical advice. If you want advice from people, make sure it's biblical advice. Surround yourself with godly biblical people who are giving you solid, good feedback and good advice. That's habit number six. Get godly advice. Last habit, habit number seven is this. Remember what you want. Remember what you want. You said at the very beginning of this time that we had today, this morning, you said what you want is God's best for your relationships. And granted, yeah, I want that for you. But this is me not forcing this on you. This is what you want. If you want God's best for your relationship, if you want God's best, choose God's plan. Implement God's plan. Live out God's plan. If that's what you want, then perhaps it's worth the hard work. Put God first. Make him a priority. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Your life. That's a, that's a big statement. Don't worry about life. And then Jesus kind of narrows it down a little bit. He says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 27, he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Then in verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. All the things that we get consumed with, all the things that we get worried about, God says, why are you worrying? I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to, I've got to get your, get your back. I'm going to support you. I'm going to give you what you need. So don't worry. Why waste your time worrying? Put me first. God says, put God's kingdom first and his righteousness, his plan first. And everything that you would have normally been worried about, he's going to take care of. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him in his timing. Now, I understand that a message like this might, might rub some people the wrong way because some people here this morning, you haven't been living according to God's plan. And you feel that conviction. You know that some of the things you've been doing, some of the, the ways you've been acting haven't been honoring to God. And I don't want you to leave discouraged today. I want you to leave encouraged today. Especially because of what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says, if we, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Even if you haven't been following God's path, if you haven't been implementing God's plan, if you don't have these seven habits that we've talked about, and you've made mistakes... You don't have to leave discouraged. You can leave encouraged knowing that God's willing to wipe the slate clean. He's willing to push the reset button. He's willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take all the sins, all the things you've done wrong, and I'm going to throw them as far as the east is from the west. But there's a, a caveat to that. If you confess your sins, are you willing to call it for what it is? Are you willing to, to be honest with yourself and be like, hey, 
what I've been doing is sin. What I've been doing is not God's best. It's contradictory to God's word. Are you willing to confess that? Because if you are, God's willing to wipe it away. God's willing to clean the slate. My friends, that's what I'm, I'm hopeful for, is that we can be people who, who not are just desirous of God's best, that we, we live out God's plan, that we're able to trust God's word enough to say, even if it requires hard work, it's worth it. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to seek you first and your righteousness, and then I'm going to trust that everything is going to be added. You're going to provide the needs and the desires of my heart. Are you willing to trust him? Last week, we ended the sermon. I had all the, the married couples turn towards each other and, and make vows or perhaps renew some of the vows that have been made before. And we're not going to do that this morning, but I do want to end this morning by, by making commitments together. And, and I'm going to read off a commitment. And if you agree with the commitment, all, all you've got to do is respond with the, the two words, I commit. Rather than I do, I want to keep the, the I do's reserved for those of you who are going to get married and so you can have that for your, your vows of marriage one day. But, but I'm going to read off a, a statement a commitment. And, and if you agree with it, all you got to do is say, I commit. Now, even the married couples in the room, these are all applicable to you as well, so you can join in, in the conversation and the discussion here. But if you agree to, to implement God's plan, if you want God's best and you want God's plan, here's part of God's plan that you can commit to this morning. Because I desire God's best for my relationships, I commit to doing my very best to live out God's plan for me. And if you agree with that, will you say the words, I commit? Number two, I will commit to putting in the hard work to allow for godly relationships. If you agree, say, I commit. I will commit to focusing on myself by allowing God to transform my heart and transform my mind. And if so, say, I commit. Number four, I will commit to pursuing God before the desires of my heart. If so, say I commit. Number five, I will commit to do my best to choose contentment right where God has me today. And if so, say I commit. Number six, I will commit to establishing and honoring boundaries in order to guard my heart. And if so, say I commit. I will commit to resist the temptation to trade the truth for lies. If so, say I commit. I commit to seeking out godly advice rather than advice from just anywhere. If so, say I commit. And last one, I commit to trust God in his timing in my life. And if so, say I commit. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a sliver, not a piece, not a portion. Trust in God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. If you want God's best, choose God's plan. He has a great plan for your life if you're willing to put in the hard work of honoring him in his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each individual who's made the decision to be here this morning. I pray that they, they feel the desire to honor your word. Not just because it's the good thing to do, but because there's blessings that are a part of that. 
If we want your best for us, we can follow your path for us, your plan for us. And Father, I pray for every one of us that we choose to honor your word, God. We thank you for the fact that you don't make relationships a mystery. They require dedication. It requires responsibility. It requires hard work. But you don't make it a mystery. You, you spell it out in your word. We thank you for your word, God, that we can, we can have relationships that are life-giving, that are thriving. God, we confess the areas in our relationships that are not of you, the areas that are sinful. We confess those things to you and and we want to do things the right way. So, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the fact that you choose to wipe the slate clean. And I pray for each individual in here that has felt the conviction this morning of not honoring your word, not going your direction, that they would choose today as a turning point. February 17th of 2019 would be the day that they chose a different direction. They chose to follow your path instead of their path. God, may you give them the strength and the courage and the willpower to follow through. We thank you for your son, God. We thank you for the fact that you give us second chances, third chances, 77 chances. You love us over and over and over. And thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to purify us and make us righteous in your eyes. We thank you for that type of love. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.